Hi, this is David Ajala, and I'm chilling with the glorious Sci-Fi Sisters. Everybody, welcome to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast, where we give you our point of view. I'm your host, Tamia Harper, and today I'm joined by my sister, Sabrina Wood. Whoop, whoop. We're missing two other sisters. We miss you, Fran and Yvette. We really wish you were here, and we love you all. But cuz, um, don't be too jealous, y'all. We're sitting here on the Zoom with our man. I mean, and we claimed him from 21 Jump Street. As soon as we saw him fight and burn him on the planet, we were like, that's our brother right there. And is none other than Mr. David Ajala. Welcome, oh, David. So Thank you. So, so, so happy to be here in your presence, conversing with you. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Far oh. too kind. Appreciate you. Thank you, too. Now, brother, like, we saw you on discovery and we literally lost our mind i think women all across america first of all lost their minds they were like who is that that's a vicious rumor damn it (laughs) (laughs) people that didn't watch star trek started watching (laughs) (laughs) no joke for real (laughs) but um we know that your your acting roots run so deep and, you know, I mean, we know that you were part of the Royal Shakespeare Company, right? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, so you're a trained Shakespearean actor. We have yet another Shakespearean actor in Star Trek. So, yay. <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs> right? You know, I mean, do you know about that tradition of ours in Star Trek and Shakespeare? Yeah. And, you know, funny enough, the, the, when I think about it, it just... Sometimes the stars just align in the most wonderful thing, in the, in the most wonderful way. I'll repeat that. Sometimes the stars just align in the most wonderful way. I'll take y'all back to 2006. Between 2006 and 2007, I was with the Royal Shakespeare Company, and we were doing three different plays. One of the plays was Hamlet, and that's when I got to work with Sir Patrick Stewart. Wow. Um, Sir Patrick Stewart, now known to him, because I've had this conversation with him, he was my kind of real bona fide introduction into Star Trek without me even knowing it. And the thing that really captured my attention is how fondly he spoke about being part of that franchise, the friends he's made, the stories he's been able to tell, and how dear the franchise is to his heart. So off the back of a few very, very casual, candid conversations, I watched little bits of Star Trek, but it wasn't anything that I kind of immersed myself into. It wasn't something I was super familiar with. Mm-hmm. But he was actually my introduction into Star Trek, wow. into the franchise. And then cut to however many years later, uh, I dropped him an email. And um, we bumped into each other as we knew we were going to see each other at a San Diego Comic-Con. And that's when I was announced that I was joining the franchise. And um, he just gave me such a lovely hug. He's a, he's a real one. Patrick Stewart, like he's, he's, yeah, he's cut from a different cloth. Wonderful Um, guy. 
so so David, I want to know who were you playing in this in this Hamlet that time? Who were you in Hamlet? I was playing Reynaldo. I was Polonius's uh, um, quote unquote spy. Yeah, um, okay. and th- this was my real kind of introduction. Again, as well, I spoke about an introduction into Star Trek. This was my introduction into professionally performing Shakespeare mm-hmm. because I did it in drama school, but this was the first time being on stage with such a world-renowned company oh my and God. performing such wonderful plays. It was it was an amazing experience. Ah, I can't oh, imagine. Yeah, I, I've been over to Stratford on Avon to the, the you know to the area, yeah. and so you know you just walk over there and you're sort of like thinking about the hallowed ground and all the actors yeah. that have been on that stage and performed that same play and that same Absolutely. part that you played. It's just like, oh my God, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It feels like um, every time a, a, a play is performed in Stratford-upon-Avon, mm-hmm. in whatever building or in whatever stage, there, there's a positive, wonderful energy, I think, that is posited on the final performance of that production. So when you walk into that auditorium, it's just filled with so much wonderful, creative energy. It's right, just right. so vibrant. And um, it's, it's, it touches your spirit. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really special place. There's, there's no place like it. Right, right. I think that's the, that's the thing about theaters. You know, they, they just have a, a vibe all their own because, you know, when you walk on the boards and, you know, if you've ever been in a play, yeah. you've been in a school play, you know, whatever you've done. Yeah. You know, you remember it because it's uh, it's, it's something that you 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 have to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And I just I take my hat off to all theatrical uh, uh, actors because I just can't imagine doing that. You know, six times a week and two times on Sundays. And wow, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. It's, look, it's um, you you find a way. It's it's doing a great play. I call it the gift that keeps on giving and yeah. no performance will ever be alike because the audience comes in with their own energy, with their own expectations, with their own dramas, with their own um, invitation to witness something special. Yeah. You know? So when you have that melting pot of all kinds of different energies in that room, just by the very nature of it, it makes no one performance alike. And I think that's what really um, allows me to... Um, thrive in this industry mm-hmm. doing theater. That's my roots. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. I feel like um I feel like theater is like more akin to jazz that way. You know, I mean okay. like you, you know, with the improv like yeah. not the improvisation, but the, the interplay between the audience and the, the you know no perform you don't know where somebody's gonna take that solo or what choice they're gonna make. Yes. And next thing you know you're on a whole different different trip. You know <laughs> we, we know there's gonna be a solo. We know the rhythm of jazz. And then every now and then you get. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you get to just, I used to drum. Um, so you get to play and mix up the rhythms and knowing the rules and then being inspired to break the rules is a wonderfully exciting thing. You know, and I love the way you phrase that because it's, um, that's a great way to explain the experience of yeah. a live theatrical performance. Yeah, it feels like there is a place in D.C. There's a place in D.C. called Blues Alley. I don't know if you've ever heard, but it's uh, one of the oldest jazz clubs in the country. And um, it's in Georgetown and it's like on the water. So Georgetown used to be like the canal where like, I mean, it was the docks. And um, 
if back in the day, historically, it was where black folks lived and then Irish people lived and, you know, it was the dock workers. And, but so the, it has these little, you know, very old, several hundred for, for our country, for our country. very <laughs> old, you know, like <laughs> several hundred years old streets and stuff. And Blues Alley is down one of these old alleyways and in this building. And my, um, my ex-husband, who I'm still really good friends with, he used to be the head sound engineer there. And I used to do coat check there, but I literally grew up going to that club. My first live performances, some of my first live performances that I remember seeing were at Blues Alley. And it was a really stereotypical smoke-filled small jazz club. I mean, it's just amazing. And when you go into that building still to this day, you feel the spirits there. You feel the presence of all the people who have come before the musical greats that play. I mean, every single, you name a musical icon, they have played Blues Alley and it's a little room. I mean, you're talking that's seating like not many more than a hundred or so people, you know, I mean, it's a really little room. Yeah. Super, yeah, you're like the stage is here, and you're literally sitting at your dinner table right in front of the stage. People sweat oh, for coming best. on to you. It's fantastic. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, that's the best. It's the best. It's still it's still the best experience and one of my favorite places to see a show ever. Like sometimes I'll just go down there. You don't know who's playing. You just go, and and you find and you're introduced to new people. But it's like but that experience as you were talking about feeling the the presence and uh, of the people who came before it's that type of place you feel it be- also because it's got the building had a history before it was a jazz club you know uh, right. had it you know and so there's just like uh it's a heavy experience and then so every it feels like every performance there is sacred you know mm. and and um and i don't and i and i know a lot of the performers feel that too because we've talked about I've talked about it with a lot of people but it's just I feel like anybody, if you get a chance to come to D.C., yes. you must, must, yeah. must go to Blues Alley. Absolutely. I need, I need to just find a way of just making that happen. Yeah. And blessing <laughs> many birds with one stone, because that yeah. sounds glorious. The idea of being that close in that intimate space, mm-hmm. it, it's just and there's something about listening to blues music and jazz specifically Mm -hmm. in America and certain states in America. It just feels very authentic. The same way, forgive me for this terrible analogy, um, the same way there's nothing better than eating a great slice of pizza in New York City. Mm -hmm. In little Italy (laughs) or, you know, Brooklyn, wherever. It's Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's something that just feels you right, bet right. that one was for you. That one was definitely for you. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> you don't want to get into pizza wars, but. <laughs> but it's so true. I get it. You know, when you go to these places where it's originated, I think that's why so many yeah. Americans are so in love with British theater and with British actors, too. You yeah. know, I mean, there's such a long history of the craft there that, you know, that people feel like, I mean, like the experience that Sabrina got to have, a lot of Americans don't get to have, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to go to the source. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Absolutely. It's wonderful. And I think we have, it's it's, it's very humbling to, to hear that. And I guess there is so much history when it comes to um, theatrical performances and drama in the UK. We're exposed to so much theatre just by proxy of living in London, for example. Mm-hmm. There are so many theatres from West Ends to the equivalent of off West End to just little tiny venues that may only seat about 
50 to 80 people. And being exposed to that literature at such an early stage in my career has been so beneficial because it just opens up your creative portals to deal with any kind of text to embrace and see how much um, value there is in, in this great literature. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing. And then, you know, getting to work in America is, um, it's, it's amazing. It really, really is. Because then we take that experience of being Nigerian Brit. Sometimes I'm more Nigerian than British. Sometimes I'm more British than Nigerian, mm-hmm. how <laughs> I feel. And then being able to take that over to America and, you know, play uh, an American from whatever state. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird, wonderful melting pot of awesomeness. So, so David, do they teach you that in, in theater school? Do they teach you the American accent? Because you guys can all seem to be able to do it, but we can't seem to go the other way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but look, in all fairness, like, I can't, as sweet as that is, and I could take the credit, we can't fully take the credit because we're exposed to, so, as I said, we're exposed to so much literature. We're also exposed to so much American TV and film. Uh, I grew up watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm-hmm. My Wife and Kids. My Wife and Kids, I can say this on record, and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air are two of my most favorite shows. <laughs> Hands down. Okay. Hands okay. down. Those are my shows. I love those shows. I love the characters. I love seeing the black families just thriving, mm-hmm. just being the fullness of themselves. Not perfect, right. but just being the fullness of themselves. Being able to embrace that experience, the experiences that they have, me being able to watch it. Um, so because of that, when it comes to doing an American accent, we have all these voices in our heads. Oh, okay. We're so familiar with it. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like, oh, I need to try and learn this accent I've never heard before. We always right. kind of hear it. Oh, right. It's just, like, you just get into it. It's not even a thing. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just. I got to say, those those two shows that you talked about, like they were part of the hot, the that heyday in the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. where we had all this amazing black television uh, coming at us. And yeah, and some of it was um, some of it was really, really good, you know, and it was like you said, the totality of our experiences that were that were being shown. Yeah, I lo- I loved oh, Fresh- yeah. I loved Fresh Prince. I always felt like the writing on that show was, you know, was just on point all the time. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It was never a wasted line, you know, yeah. on that show. And <laughs> and was, show uh, that-, that show, similar to My Wife and Kids, but I think Fresh Prince really um, was the trailblazer for it. it. As much as it was fun and humorous, round the corner, just a mm. beat away. There was always something edifying, profound, or give you pause for thought. Yeah. And I thought they just had that balance so well. Um, Uncle Phil, I think Uncle Phil was everyone's father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. He, to see a man like him with such great stature, um, humility, integrity was so inspiring. Yeah. Because like, you don't really see. At that time, you never really saw characters like an Uncle Phil, yeah. you know? And um, I don't know, that, that that show just really had a wonderful impact on me. And the more I speak about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that's my show. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's what inspired me. Have you had a chance to see the new rebooted Fresh Prince? I've seen bits of it. Yeah. One of my guys is in it. And I, I've, oh. um, Jimmy, Jimmy Akinbola. 
um, who plays Jeffrey. Who plays Jeffrey? Oh, oh yeah. my God. No, that's the character. They did a little sketch on that solid. character. He's solid. And it's such a blessing that he's on that show. They're blessed to have him. He's blessed to be working with them. Oh, um, I've seen bits of it, but I, I um, and what they've done, they, they've they've smashed it. The direction that they've gone, I loved it. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if they're gonna redo, you're gonna reboot Fresh Prince. What are you trying to do? But it was yeah. a real interesting take. I, I loved yeah. the, the switch they did with the Jeffrey character. Was deep. I, I'm waiting for season two. Please. Please give me a season two because I got to find out about what happened to Jeffrey. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, season two. I feel they filmed it. Or- oh, I already, oh, I missed it. I'm behind. Yeah. I was watching Discovery. I was, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. That's, That's right. That's a great answer. That's what we like to hear. Star Trek. What can I say? <laughs> it all comes so back Trek. to Trek. It all bring it back to Trek. And I'm going to bring it all the way back to Trek again because in the 90s, we had Cisco. You know, we had Avery Brooks and Ciroc Lofton on Deep Space Nine showing black love in a way that Mm -hmm. nobody else was showing. And we had, Mm -hmm. you know, we had this man in all of his commanding presence, you know, as a commander. And, uh, you know, the world wasn't ready. I mean, Trek fans, a lot of Trek fans weren't ready, but we were ready. Mm -hmm. We were there every Mm -hmm. week. Every week for this brother, you know, no matter with the it's the head was shaved or not, if the, if the goatee was rocking or not, we were like, we already know y'all y'all can try with the hair. You think you're gonna dim his light somehow? Like, oh. oh my God, we're afraid of the black the bald black man. It's too powerful. All that <laughs> shininess, too too much power, right? Much and power. Like you don't even understand. Like okay, you know, nevertheless. It doesn't matter. It's Avery Brooks. He's going to yeah. bring the power. Hair or no hair, dude. Have Absolutely. you seen him? <laughs> Another theatrical actor. Another theatrical actor, boy. Another stage. But I just think, I think, like, you know, on this day, like today is Juneteenth as we record this. And this is a big day right. in the States, you know, and mm-hmm. it's finally a, a, you know, a federally recognized holiday of when um, the African-Americans in Texas First learned that they that the slaves were free, that slavery had been abolished two two years later, you know, two years after the fact. Right. Um, and then they were, you know, black troops, union troops were sent into Texas to liberate these slaves who were still in chains. And I mean, it's a big day, you know. So when mm-hmm. we um, it just seems like every conversation that we have around our representation um, in these various different ways, uh, takes on more meaning for me today. You know, especially I was sitting here watching, um, watching some, a couple of documentaries, um, about Juneteenth and about our history and the systematic erasure of our history and, and our stories, um, that has just, that is still ongoing. Uh, you know, it makes your work uh, and people who came before you, you know, Avery Brooks and Brock Peters and the people who came before them so much more important. And we see the the, the struggle still continues. We, like, we might be at a different place now, but mm-hmm. it makes the work no less important. And your representation as Cleveland Booker on this show, uh, the, the, this show particularly, on Star Trek particularly, is one that we just admire. There's a reason. We love you because you're a, a phenomenal actor. Is what you bring to this role and this complicated man that you've brought to us on screen. Can you talk about Cleveland a little bit and 
maybe like a little bit of what you wanted to what you wanted to do with him yeah absolutely thank you by the way i, I really appreciate that it's super sweet because you, you as an actor you, you never know where you're at in your personal life and what role will meet you at that moment in your life mm. and when i was first when i first had these conversations with um uh the guys on on trek they um I, I was in a place in my life where I felt a bit rebellious. And not rebellious in doing anything crazy and getting myself into trouble. You know? <laughs> was a, I just felt just internally rebellious, you know? Um and I couldn't quite articulate it beyond I just felt rebellious. And then this role came along and when they um spoke to me about Star Trek with um I thought it was to join the Federation. Ah. And for me, that just, it just wouldn't have worked because of where I was at. That just wouldn't have worked. But then they pitched this idea and they told me about this character, Cleveland Booker. And then they sent me uh, a few pages of the script. Only five people on the planet had seen these pages and I was mm. one of them. Wow. And after reading this script, apparently I had to burn it. You know, like, I've got a script and I, I remember reading and thinking, this is so cool. And I could see the direction that you guys are going with this. Um, in my mind, I was thinking, let me have another conversation with Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise, the showrunners at the time. Um, and then we spoke and they were just sharing some ideas with me and it sounded really, really cool. And then I spoke to my team that represents me and they said, well, they, they really would love for you to take this invitation to play this role. And I remember thinking, I'll do this role on one condition. I made a promise to myself. I'm going to allow this brother, this guy, Cleveland Booker, to be the most imperfect, perfect beautifulness of a black man there can be. Mm. So multifaceted. So multifaceted. I wanted him to be able to have the freedom to be himself. Mm -hmm. Completely to be himself. And what really works with the character for me was this guy fully being able to be himself confidently knowing that he's a tiny, tiny little piece in this huge ecosystem because what is really important to him is the preservation and survival of endangered species. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So having that kind of underpinning the inward confidence of this guy, I thought just worked really, really well. So he can walk into any room confidently knowing he has something to offer. Mm -hmm. And it'll look people in the eye knowing that you're not above me and you're and I'm not beneath you. I'm not above you and I'm not beneath you. Mm -hmm. There was just something about that character as a black man, I wanted him to have the liberty of doing. I didn't want anything that was remotely perfect to be associated <laughs> with this character. I wanted him to be rugged. I wanted him to be beautifully black perfect and imperfect and i wanted him to find his queen without even knowing he's finding his queen mm -hmm. uh -oh. i think that's what makes the relationship between him and burnham so special yeah behind yeah. every great woman is herself she doesn't need cleveland book mm -hmm. however <laughs> these two just bring out the best in each other that's right yeah, oh that, my was, that was a great relationship and we loved watching it build i'm glad that they gave it time to build and it wasn't like yeah. Oh, you know, love at first sight or something crazy like that. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. It was, came out punching. 
<laughs> Listen, it was so hostile. It was so hostile. It was. And it was wonderful. It, it, it was such an interesting way to have two characters meet mm-hmm. in such hostile, unfamiliar territory. And right. then off the back of that first encounter, they now have to kind of help each other to navigate through stuff. And then they start to naturally form a closer bond of trust just because they have to protect each other and save right. each other's lives from the enemy. That and was because it. Your, because your space broke. Right. <laughs> you know? You know? <laughs> well, that's oh, broke. <laughs> I'm space broke. There were some wonderful lines that they gave my character to totally. say. Totally. Which was so Total. much fun. <laughs> there were so many. And there's so many little things that we were able to sprinkle in there that those in the know would see <laughs> and know. We knew. We, we saw. knew. <laughs> we were, catch, so we were re- catching all of it. I'm telling you, as you would, <laughs> as you would, you know, and I think Sonequa and myself were, um, we never really spoke about it much, but there was just a vibe that we had of such great respect, care for each other, that just really allowed our relationship to just flourish in front of the camera and behind the camera. You know, <laughs> yeah. she, she is just um, a ray of light mm-hmm. and absolute joy to work with. She is she is lightning in the bottle, but then the bottle just smashes because it can't you can't contain her. She's she's just <laughs> amazing, wonderful, in the, wonderful. In the True. few minutes that we got to spend with her when she came on our show, you know. It was that we felt that, you know, and and, yeah. and that respect for it that you have for each other, it really comes across, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just so tangible. I think I used, mm-hmm. a, we were interviewing somebody else the other day and I used the word visceral and, mm-hmm. and it's very much the same. It's so real. It's so palpable that there's no separation between the screen and the feelings, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like we're there feeling it with you. And I mean, and, and we all get that. I mean, it's on both sides for both of you. You know, it's just amazing. It's it, And it's so it's beautiful. It's yeah. frankly so beautiful. It is the reason why I kept going back to Discovery. Even when I got upset with like plot lines and stuff, like, you know, like because I would mm-hmm. I would like scream at my screen like, wait, what? What's going on now? <laughs> You know, like, but you guys were, for me, the underpinning, the core, uh, that re- that relationship, that's, I mean, it is everything. It's, it is everything. You yeah. know, and you said that word, like for, you know, Cleveland Booker is fighting for, uh, to save these endangered species. And I'd like, oh, well, who's more endangered right now than the Black person on this planet? You know, as a... <laughs> you know, we are. and And that's what this role represents to me. Yeah, it was so layered. That, that's, that's so deep that that was something that touched you the way it did. Because for me, it was when, when Sneaker and myself would rehearse these fight sequences, there was a moment whereby we would have doing these fight sequences and we made a conscious decision that we'd be back to back, taking on the enemies sometimes. And there was just something about, I don't need to see you but I know you yep. got me. I know you yep. got me. And that's when these two were still kind of hostile, but it's that unspoken thing of the bond that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's something that I just wanted to be available on screen yeah. to see, because there's power in it and there's so much love in it and there's so much healing in it. And I wanted that to be available. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think you guys really conveyed the whole idea that, you know, she was there for a year without the rest of the uh, Discovery crew in right. the way that you guys could talk about, um, you would just say one word and you knew what the other one was going to do next. For sure. <laughs> and I, I love that part of it. I just love that. Are we going to do that thing that we did on, you know, Alpha 2 or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were like, oh, not that again. And <laughs> it was just divine. I loved it. Oh. I loved it. We all were just like, oh, these two are bonded at the hip. She knows what he's yeah. talking about. And he's going to just look at her and like, oh, girl, not again, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's more of that in season five. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. oh I tell you what, that there's, there's, um, what's so amazing about this new season is the way it starts. There is no warm up. I can say that much. Okay. I was going to say, don't right. I love trouble. it. I love don't it. That's trouble. I love <laughs> it. Oh, yeah, there that's, is that's no good. We don't need that's, a warm up. No warm up. We are still revving from the end of the last season. We're still in rev, rev, rev mode. So don't worry about it. Don't need a warm up. I love it. It's it's just it's straight in. There is there is so much adventure in this new season. There's so much fun. There is oh, there's so much heart. There's so much love in it. Oh. Um. There, jeez, goosebumps. There oh, are some wow. moments that are just so richly and deeply touching. And I, I can't wait for y'all to watch it and experience it. We can. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that days. we didn't know it was the final season mm -hmm. when we were shooting it. Because yeah. it gave us the freedom to really be very unsentimental and just fully commit to the scene from moment to moment. And whatever. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think there's something about knowing it's the right. If you're filming it and knowing it's the final season, mm -hmm. you, I, 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 I don't know. For for me personally, yeah. I love not knowing it was the final season because there was just great liberty of just doing it and not being too precious about certain things. Mm -hmm. But I okay. will say this: yeah. the season finale has. Me personally, I think it's one of the most beautiful scenes you will ever see in this franchise. <gasps> oh, oh my God. Are you kidding? Like my heart right now, dude. <laughs> I know. And that's saying a lot because on the season four, when we thought you were gone. In the right. Oh, yeah. Jeez. We're feeling <laughs> Burnham. We were all wanting to just hug Burnham because we were like, Burnham is not going to be able to deal if this is the truth. This can't be right. He's <laughs> he like, sisters all over the world were wanting to, you know, hug Captain Burnham. Like, oh, no, girl, hang on, hang on. Mm -hmm. but, oh. Couldn't do it to us. Couldn't do it to us. We were like, oh, <laughs> thank you. See, now you go. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, off the back of that, when we were having the table read, season four for that episode. Um, <laughs> I remember <laughs> when the whole cast were reading it, there was a massive gasp because everyone <laughs> thought, oh, no! Oh, it, it was such a moment. It was such a moment. And then, um, you know, to see Cleveland and Booker come back and then Burnham embrace when they embraced each other. It was Even, even on the page, just reading it was special. But then shooting it, 
felt like, yeah, it felt cool and it was great to do, but watching it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I cannot wait, dude. I, can't, <laughs> I cannot wait for see. I mean, like, I can't, I mean, it, I can wait because I have to and I have, right. I'm powerless over this situation, but inside I'm like, come on already. <laughs> Give it to me. Let's go. I'll, but I don't want be it either it. because I know it's going to be my final season, you know, yeah. but, um, right. <laughs> but so you know, so we're telling everybody from Discovery that you know we absolutely adore you, and just like um, you know, when we got the pleasure of seeing each other at Trek Long Island, and mm-hmm. we were talking to the audience, and you know, before you guys came on stage, we were letting them know this is our opportunity to let you all know how deeply you're loved and how much you're appreciated, and. Uh, you know, and how important this show is to us. And like, you know, cancellation or no cancellation, it stands as one of the most important Trek shows of all mm. time. Discovery mm. is amazing. And it's it's so important to so many of us. And then I'm looking at the generation younger than me and I'm seeing my, like my Deep Space Nine experience happen mm-hmm. with them on Discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's almost identical, you know, from the haters, you know, because Avery Brooks and that black lead, you know, they got yeah. all that hate. And then everybody's like, oh, you like Deep Space Nine just because he's black. Number one, you're right. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> it's a phenomenal show. And if mm-hmm. you had half a brain, you would be in love with it, too. You know, yeah. and, that, that, and that's the way I feel about, you know, disco and it, and deep space nine got all it was ahead of its time and i feel like disco in a lot of ways is ahead of its time for us older fans it's right perfect mm-hmm. for the age group right behind me you know it's telling stories in the way that they right. want these stories to be told and that they're getting so this is their trek yeah. and they're seeing themselves in this trek it's it's right. so important this show right yeah. I had no question in That's there. So I just cool. want you to know. We know. We love you. <laughs> no, I, I I appreciate you so much for sharing that that wholesomeness, that kindness. Because I think when we're watching a show like Star Trek Discovery specifically, we want to see ourselves in there mm-hmm. or a version of ourselves that is tangible, that we aspire to. You know, together everyone achieves more. That there's something very exciting about that. I wanted, again, going back to Cleveland Booker, mm-hmm. what was very important to me was I grew up in London, Hackney. Hackney is the equivalent of like a, a Brooklyn in New York. Okay. And with Brooklyn, Bro- certain parts of Brooklyn were um, quite rough, but rough is all subjective. Right. Um, and in Hackney, because we knew the way of the lay of the land, what may have been rough to someone else was just part and parcel of just living in this area, but we knew how to kind of navigate it. And the hacking became very, very gentrified. So whenever I'm on the show or in space, there's little things that a character has that people who grew up in the same area as myself would see this character, would see certain things, mm-hmm. and know that they're here with me in space. <laughs> yeah, it's- That's for them. So those little moments mean more to me than anything else, because that's those are my people. We came from the same neck of the woods. I just so happened to be in this position doing this, but I want you guys to know I see you, and I want the world to see you, even though they can't see you directly. 
mm-hmm. but threw me in space. Right. It was really important for me. See, that's why we mess with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they ain't listening. It's, that for me, me means a lot. It really does. It means a lot for me because it's the fabric and the DNA of who I am. And I think mm-hmm. what, it's what allows me to be able to navigate this space and this world and this industry in a very, very grounded, healthy way. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and so can we go back before? Because I know our time is about to run out, and we were we had hinted. I'm just switching gears completely. We had talked a, just a minute before we got on, started uh-huh. recording about this early, early performance career of yours. And <laughs> were you in a boy band? What was what was this? That's what right. was going on? No way. Uh-huh. Were Don't you guys like band. British New Edition or something? Kind of, but cooler. and without the singing um i used to love dancing um body popping street dance uh acrobatics and it was a boy group it was five of us and we used to tour around different parts of the uk and battle um so if i weren't an actor it's likely i would have done dancing for however long or been a musician, but there's something about dancing to this day that I'm so grateful for, because it kind of just gives me a physical freedom and Mm -hmm. an awareness of my body, Mm -hmm. which I find super helpful. So those that know me when we're working, they they know me that, and I don't do it for any reason other than just, I'm enjoying myself. I love to dance on set. Oh, sweet. You gotta get on the cruise, baby. I don't need to draw attention to myself. I couldn't care less. (laughs) I love the freedom of being able to dance. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get you on the cruise so you could get on the dance floor with the rest of the, the rest of the. I'll say this: stranger things have happened. You may just see me on the cruise. And, oh my god! Oh my god! Listen, the di- with three the, sci-fi sister circles in a snap of it. <laughs> <laughs> they had the, the, there was the dance. The, what was it? The the thing for uh, Ken Ken Mitchell. Uh, oh, and the, the rave. The rave. Yeah, I heard, I heard about oh the rave. I my god! Yeah, we we got some tape of that, but you know that's kind of <laughs> the tape that we we are not sending out. But um, the the, the disco cast, y'all, they danced the whole rave. I mean, Sonequa, everybody. They, it was the most joyous thing I ever saw. Mm. The whole group was dancing around Ken. We, everybody was just going crazy. And I think mm. like, that's a dancing cast right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to out myself. I'm going to out myself and let everybody know mm-hmm. that I'm that one black person that's not a good dancer. <laughs> like, I, I've i got my two-step. I got maybe... Indian a, blood or something with that. It might be the Indian. It might be... No, no, no. It can't no, be no. the Filipino yeah. blood. It's definitely my Indian blood because the Filipino... <laughs> Filipino, like, like, like I, I'm, I'm, Indian, I'm Native I American, Indian. Filipino, and black. Native American, Filipino, and black. So, yeah. like, my father was a black Jew. My mom is Native American and Filipino. It's definitely from the Native American side because um, you know the the, the so rhythms. Quick. The rhythms are really super simplistic. They're not like it's not polyrhythmic. You know, but you know, I Filipinos be holding it down, right? So it's Absolutely. not the Filipino side, you not know. I was about to say, because I've seen and battled many Filipino dancers. Thank you. <laughs> amazing. Like the levels are supreme. But right. I'll say this. What is even good dancing? I think it's all subjective. <laughs> so let's just start there. This yeah. is true. 
Let's not get too crazy with this. When you say that, better be a good dancer. I, I was, so I was with her when we were dancing, and she was having a pretty good time. So, <laughs> oh, I just think right, right, nobody. right. But when I get reincarnated, I want to. Co- uh-huh. I have begged for this my whole life. When I get reincarnated, I want to come back as a dancer. Like I want to uh-huh. be a professional dancer on my next life. Why, um, why not? Huh. Why not? You deserve Why not? It. Yeah, why not? You know, like right now, these 52-year-old hips ain't going to be like, hitting <laughs> that limber. But, you know, I mean, they might get a little bit more limber than they are at the moment, but they're not going to be, you uh-huh. know, but I I just love dance. And I love, I think it's just a, such a one, all forms of dance. And I Absolutely. love, and I'm so in awe of dancers. And I'm so in awe of people whose bodies move the way that they tell their bodies to move. <laughs> <laughs> My body does not move Legit. the way I tell it to. I can tell it to do all sorts of cool stuff. And, and it won't not, listen. No, <laughs> not even close. It won't listen. I'm not even straight up laughing. Like, what's wrong with you? Laughing. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. But at least, at least the mind is willing. The body's just. Doing its own thing. The, the, the body's right. just figuring it out. Right, right, exactly. But soon, the synergy will be correct. You know, you'll both align yourselves, and then, then you'll be good to go. And then you'll be able to be that amazing dancer in this lifetime instead of having to wait for the next lifetime. Ah, true, that. true that. Okay, all right. I'm gonna <laughs> true take, that, true uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that positivity and run with that one. <laughs> I just Why think not? that's super cool, man. The, you know, the... Um, it's like performing. It seems like you've always been a little performer. One way or another, yeah. I think so. It was, um, I think it was just at the age of like 15, 14, 15, just having too much kind of bouncy energy and needing a way, needing a way to channel it somehow. Um, found my, fell into dance, fell into kind of acting and just started to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to really really enjoy it and I think the enjoyment allowed me to invest in it to just kind of harness my skills and just work on my craftsman my craft and to you know just to be a good craftsman at what I do mm-hmm. it was the enjoyment of it and the infinite possibilities of oh man I could actually make this work and as I'm doing this and enjoying this I'm learning so much about myself I'm building my own confidence mm-hmm. I'm able to show so much more empathy to myself, to yeah. other people. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful. It was quite a cathartic experience without me even knowing at the time. Right. Yeah. 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 I got another question. Do you still mm-hmm. have a drum set? I do. But I, I need to take it out. It's in a suitcase in the garage yeah. or the garage. That was a garage. <laughs> garage. Yeah. Garage. Not uh, garage. garage. I got to get yeah. to my garage right now. <laughs> but, um, it's downstairs. So I need to take it out of the suitcase and just set it up because if it's in a suitcase, I ain't going to play it. But if it's set up there with the sticks next to the drum kit, then I, I'm more like... Right. I was married to a drummer, so... I, I, oh, yeah? I, yes, and when we were dating, when we were courting, uh-huh. when we were courting, we were going according, um, I, it, my courtship consisted of me carrying a bunch of his gear in and out of gigs. <laughs> Like everybody was like, "Oh, you're much nicer than I was." Uh, that's love. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. That's how you it. knew it was it was deep because I was carrying. That's why he- I had to go for an electric drum kit because that, that the acoustic drums is that's just a lot of equipment. I've got an electric drum kit downstairs. Nice, nice. Yeah. See, that's easy. 
the electric much drum e- kits. Yeah, it's so much easier. All that hardware, like people think like you see the drums set up on stage and you don't realize how heavy all that hardware is to support yeah. those drum kits. It's really heavy. Yeah. That's and why the drums are already well. set up on yeah. stage because it takes a minute. Uh-huh. True. It's true. And to tune it and to make sure that the symbols are right, well mm-hmm. positioned. But this, funny enough, having this conversation has just re-reminded me that I need to get that drum kit out of the suitcase. Out of your garage. Just have it there. Just put it set up. (laughs) Get it out of the garage. The The garage. garage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to hearing that accent. But uh, if you do that, I'll get my piano out of the closet. I've got got a key in the closet. No. (laughs) That's the whole problem. (laughs) After years of piano lessons, she's still doesn't play the piano. It's like, to me, it says she wanted to come back as a dancer. I I want to actually relearn to play this piano before I die in this life. It's a, one, of my, one of my, uh, you know, 50 things to do before I die. So, uh, okay, I, I understand that the, that the drums are in the garage and my, <laughs> my, my piano is sitting in the closet. So, break it out. So, here, here out. Let's in this moment, let, let's make the commitment to try yes. and do that. Yes, yeah. It's before a, the end of the year. Okay. Before the end of the week. <laughs> For me, before the end of the month. Before the oh, end of the month. Okay, okay. That's a little... <laughs> okay, so if you guys make the commitment, you're going to get the drum kits out. You're going to get the piano out. I'm going to get out the pen. Ah. All right? And okay. I will write. If you're going to drum and you're going to play, I will write. And will that's the, that's our creative commitment to one another. And you know what? We're going to check back with you on <laughs> Instagram or Twitter yeah. and be like, are yeah. you doing it? I want pictures. Absolutely. Please hold me accountable as I'll hold the two of you accountable in the healthiest, wonderful way. There's, that's perfect. I took drums yeah. for one year. I loved them. The girls didn't play the drums, so they switched me. Oh, yeah, that yeah, back in the day, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and so like all the kids in like you know fourth grade could play the drums. We played yeah. it on the desk, you know, and you got a drumstick. Mm-hmm. My brother really played the drum. My brother played the drums for a little right. while. So I had his drumstick. So I was like, nah, I got drumsticks, you know. So I was playing. Well, you know, you can always switch from the piano to the drums. That uh, is also. No, I love the piano, though. I love the piano. I've always, I've always loved watching people play the piano and wanted to play the piano. Me but, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, was, I've always loved and I still love watching people play the piano. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't know if it's in me to be able to do it. I won't rule it out. But I love watching people play the piano. Oh. It's so wonderful and relaxing. It about. Uh, so yeah. true. It's so yeah. true. I got to see Ahmad Jamal at Blues Alley, mm-hmm. going back to Blues Alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a we, beautiful, we all gotta wonderful go. show. We gotta go. We, we got to go to Blues Alley. I'm just telling you. Blues you know? Alley. <laughs> I would love to. I would absolutely love to. It's like this old, all brick, you know, the like below, like it's like you go down the steps and it's mm-hmm. this little room yeah. and the uh, chairs and tables are really tight in between each other. Yeah. Like Mary Wilson, that was her favorite place to play. Like, so my mom was best friends with Mary Wilson from the Supremes. Like that was her best friend. And like Mary, wow. when Aunt Mary would come every year and play Blues Alley and it was oh. still one of her, it was like she you know, she's playing all over the world, right? And it was still like her favorite place to play because it home was so court. intimate. Home court, yeah. So intimate. What a place. Yeah. What really a place. 
And, you know, those places I, I, aren't around anymore because, you know, Boston yeah. had Paul's Mall. We had a place like that. And it's uh-huh. all gone, all torn down, you know. So for this to still be there. That's incredible. Long may continue. Mm. Places like that need to be protected. Yeah, absolutely. At every cost. At every and, cost. and we almost lost it last year. They had a fire. Yeah in there and uh so we all we thought that it might be the end of blues alley but it wasn't uh thank god and yeah long okay. what were you gonna say david we're gonna say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and long live david ajala man Yay! Like, you know, i mean Yo. what a, what a joy and he's a king he's a king <laughs> He's a king. Y'all. y'all the queens and grudge is our queen too like we love grudge she is a queen, and and, and we I, will see more grudge in season five. Sweet, thank you, because there yeah. was not enough grudge in season four for me. There's never enough grudge. But we will be <laughs> she is. She's very mischievous. It has to be said. <laughs> she is so much fun. She is so much fun, and I think they've um they were excited to just open up and develop the character a little bit. Great. So we'll, we'll see a bit more grudge. I mean, I I had so all these questions for you, like at Trek Long Island, I was going to ask you a bunch of questions mm. too, but you know what? Next time, because I would we'll do love a part two. To, yeah, we'll definitely do a part two. Yeah. We, yeah. we could do a part two, um, in the middle of season five. Oh, in the middle, the beginning of season five or at the end. So okay. whatever works for y'all. In my mind, I always knew that we'll kind of do two parts. Mm. So you just let me know, and then we'll yeah, make it happen. That's going to be lovely. I think it would be so sure. cool. Yeah, it'd be great because I want to talk to you about all the things, all these aspects of of book that you know that you've s- sprinkled in. You know mm-hmm. that 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 goes into the seasoning, the roux of of book, and, <laughs> and like how idea. much are we gonna get? Like, are we gonna be able to taste the finished product? You know, I wanted. There's all these different storylines that we could, you know, f- for book stories. So yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. There is. That there is at the end of season four and at the beginning of season five, there's so much growth in this character. Mm. But what I love about this man is, come what may, will always have a twinkle of in his eye of maybe something special is about to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about that character. Yeah, it's his his tenacity, his resilience, and his anticipation that good things still exist and good things can still happen to him. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, because we need that right now. We need that. Absolutely. It's very important. Yeah. Very important. And you, you will see that there are some moments, there are some moments in this season, the new season that um, are very healing for the character and to see a character see a character healing from moment to moment from moment to moment almost in real time on screen Mm -hmm. is profoundly profoundly touching I'm glad I'm glad I tell you because I think the scenes that you had when you were interacting with the memory of your father in season four, 
was right, some of the yeah. deepest ones. I had that one character. I, I was just like, oh, how could they bring such a relationship and this character in? And it, and mm. it just gave us just a taste of it. And we didn't get it all. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I wanted to hear more about I'm just pushing for Book's show. I, I want yeah. Book to have his own show, period. Like, hey, you're going to spin off anything. You know, oh like, you know, everybody talking about legacy track, legacy, track, whatever. Okay. I want a book show. Like, I mean, yeah. that's all nice and fine, but that's kind of rehashing. So I hear, you know, I hear. something you know. a little different. Yeah. Come what may, come what may, there would be so much adventure and fun um, in this new season. Mm. So much. And every character goes on a journey as they're supposed to. We're and that's evolve. lovely. We're meant to change. Yeah, everyone's going to get their clothes. Being with... the better versions of ourselves is yeah. is wonderful to see, and I, I can't wait for y'all to see it. Uh, we can't wait. And to then, see we, it. then we yeah. can really, really talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's my, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining thank us. You. We Pleasure. really appreciate it, Sabrina. You want to let folks know where they can get in touch with us if they want to tell us how much they're anticipating season five? I know, I know we're going to get all kinds of anticipation. You can find the Sci Fi Sisters at sci fi sisters.com. That's S Y F Y S I S T A S dot com. Or you can join us on the mothership. That's M U T H A S H I P. And the Sci Fi Sisters Book Club, both on Facebook. On Instagram and TikTok, we are the Sci-Fi Dot Sisters, and we're also on the Twitter at Sci-Fi Sisters. Become a patron of Sci-Fi Sisters today at patreon.com forward slash Sci-Fi Sisters. And the Trek Geek Network's presenting sponsor is Fanset. So go to fansets.com for pinned memorabilia from all your favorite franchises. Visit fansets.com and use Trek Geeks, all caps, for your exclusive 10% discount. After listening to this podcast, please rate us and write a review. We just may read it on an upcoming episode. And we have to say one more shout out to the baddest engineer in any and all universes. That's to Dose the Anonymous One. He's responsible for all the music you hear on our program, as well as our engineering services. And if you are in need, check the brother out at Dose underscore the Anonymous underscore one on Instagram. We love you, Dose. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much. And until next time, peace, love and hair grease, peoples. Bye. Bye.